Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah Brimer. I am your host here on Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that follow button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly episodes here every Wednesday and I would love to see you stick around. So today, you guys, we are talking about a very intricate case. It is an unsolved case and today we're talking about Lauren Spear. Now, Lauren was 20 years old when she disappeared from Bloomington, Indiana one night, but we are going to back up real quick and talk about her before all of this happened. So Lauren was born on January 17th of 1991 to her parents, Charlene and Robert. She was born a few days after me, actually. My birthday is January 14th, so Capricorns. Um, She grew up with her family in Scarsdale, New York, and Lauren had blonde hair, blue eyes. She was such a gorgeous girl, like literally stunning. And her parents say that she was an amazing kid. She took dance classes growing up. She loved to play dress up as a little girl. She was super into fashion. And her friends describe her as just a loving girl with an amazing bubbly personality. One of her friends actually said that once you meet Lauren, you immediately will fall in love with her. And that's basically what everyone did. They would meet her. They would want to be her friend. She was so sweet, so caring, so nice, so funny, and just great to be around. And that quality is what allowed Lauren to be able to make friends so quickly and have a great social life and have an amazing boyfriend, which we will get into. But Lauren graduated high school in 2009, and she was super excited because she was going to be attending Indiana State University. So Lauren had a boyfriend at this time, and his name was Jesse Wolf, and the two of them were actually high school sweethearts that ended up going to the same college together as well. So both Jesse and Lauren were at Indiana University, and Indiana is a pretty big school. It's a public university located in Bloomington, Indiana, and has a student population of about 48,000 people. That is a lot of people, and to put it into perspective, Bloomington itself has a population about 85,000 people. So about half, a little over half actually of Bloomington is made up of University of Indiana or Indiana and has a population of about 48,000 students, which is pretty big. And Bloomington itself has a population of about 85,000 people. So to put it into perspective, it's a very like college populated town. About over half of the population of Bloomington is college students. So Lauren's parents said that when they dropped her off originally in 2009 for her freshman year, they thought that Indiana University was the picture of what college should be. The school had amazing school spirit, a huge sense of community, and it just all seemed to make sense for them. And they thought it was a perfect fit for Lauren as well. But unfortunately, there was a dark side that was hidden away from her parents when it came to this university. And this happens in a lot of colleges and a lot of universities. Obviously, when you go and take family tours and things like that. They don't tell you about the alcohol and the partying and the drug use that happens at a lot of these universities. So a lot of times parents will send their kids off thinking that none of that is involved. But there was a lot of drug use at the school and that included cocaine and Xanax and really anything that these students could get their hands on, they would. And I just, I want to just disclaim that this isn't just this school. I think that sometimes just you don't know how prevalent something is until you're in that 
environment. And so I think that's what happened with Lauren and her parents in the situation. They didn't know how bad it was. Lauren's mom, Charlene, said that she didn't, she knew that there was drug use at the school. Obviously, it's college. People are experimenting and trying out different things. But she said she didn't know the extent that these students were taking this drug use. So let's talk about the night that Lauren disappeared. Lauren disappeared on June 3rd, 2011. And let this is what we know. Let's walk through the timeline. So on June 3rd, Lauren was getting ready for a night out. There is surveillance video of her leaving her apartment and she looks happy. She looks excited. And Lauren was going over to her friend Jason's and they actually refer to him as Jay. Jay is his nickname in all of this. So his full name is Jason Rosenbaum, but we are going to refer to him as Jay. So Lauren goes over to Jay's apartment and Jay actually was good friends with Lauren as well as Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse. So Jay was like a high school friend of the two of them and they knew each other through like this camp situation that they had gone to together. It was like a camp counseling thing. So that's where all three of them met and then the three of them all ended up going to Indiana University. So on this particular night, Lauren was going over to Jay's apartment because Jay was kind of having like a pregame party situation that night at his place. And he lived in an apartment complex called Five North Townhomes in Bloomington, Indiana, which was just about a six-minute walk from Lauren's apartment complex called Smallwood Plaza. Lauren left her apartment that night to walk over to Jay's at about 12.09 a.m., and something to note about this night is that Jesse, Lauren's boyfriend, did not go out this night. So Jesse had a night in, which I don't know if that reasoning as to why he stayed in and Lauren went out ever was brought to light, but according to Jesse's roommate, he stayed in that night and watched an NBA game and then went to bed at about 2.30 in the morning, which we will get into later on, but that is just something to note as we go through this. So when Lauren got to Jay's apartment for the party, she started drinking and pre-gaming with the people that were there, and it was clear at that point in the night that this was going to be like a wild night. Like, people were gearing up for a heavy drinking night, and one of the people that was at Jay's apartment was a guy named Corey Rossman. Now, according to everyone there, the two of them didn't really know each other very well, but not long after Lauren got there at about 1.46 in the morning, the two of them ended up leaving Jay's apartment together and headed to a popular sports bar in Bloomington called Kilroy's. Now, Kilroy's sports bar is a pretty popular bar. It's one that all of the college kids go to, and it was about a 20-minute walk from Jay's apartment. I'm pretty sure they walked. There was no records of them ever like getting an Uber or a Lyft or anything like that or any cab or situation. So I'm pretty sure the two of them walked. And according to witnesses around and people that were at Jay's apartment, everyone said that Lauren was extremely intoxicated by this point, which think about it. So something to note about Lauren is she is five feet tall and weighed in at about 90 pounds. So it is probably very easy for her to get intoxicated, to get drunk. I guarantee she was probably a lightweight. So 
So with that being said, if they were drinking a lot, it was probably really easy for her to get heavily intoxicated, which is what people were saying she was acting like. And so the two of them went to Kilroy's together, Lauren and Corey, and they only spent about 25 to 30 minutes in the bar before the two of them actually ended up leaving the bar together and started making their way walking back to Lauren's apartment complex. So once they got into the apartment complex that Lauren lives in, the two of them got into the elevator and they were heading up to the fifth floor, which was the floor that Lauren lived on. Now, when the two of them walked out of the elevator, get this, this is, I think, very telling in all of this. The two of them walk out of the elevator and you know how sometimes in like apartment complexes or student living or things like that, there is like lobbies on the floors. So each floor will kind of have its own sitting area situation. I know mine did when I was in college. So when Lauren and Corey got off the elevator, there were actually four guys sitting in this sitting area right off of the elevator in that lobby situation. So four guys were sitting there and they apparently had a problem with the way that Corey was handling Lauren. Whether they thought he was being too aggressive or too sloppy or rude or whatever, we're not really sure. There's not really very many details as to why they didn't like the way that he was handling Lauren, Um, but it was enough for them to say something to him, and Corey apparently made some sort of smart little remark back to one of these guys, who then, the guy who initially made the first comment, who didn't like the way Corey was handling Lauren, came up and punched Corey in the face. Yeah. I know, it's crazy. So Corey gets punched in the face for mishandling Lauren by this guy. And in all of my research, I was never able to figure out who this guy was, but something I kind of found interesting or not very interesting, but more so, I guess, ironic is the fact that this situation, it was always mentioned, but it was never like looked into. Meaning that in the research that I did, they would talk about Corey getting punched in the face, but they would never go into detail about it. They would never say who it was or what this guy exactly thought was happening or what the vibe was or what his friends thought that were also sitting in the lobby. None of that. It was just Corey got punched in the face for mishandling Lauren and then Corey and Lauren both ended up leaving this apartment complex together. So Lauren walks out with Corey and the two of them end up walking to Corey's apartment complex. When I read that, I was like, what? Like, (laughs) what is happening? So Lauren and Corey leave the bar together. They go to Lauren's apartment complex. These guys get into an altercation with Corey. Corey ends up getting punched in the face. Corey and Lauren end up leaving together when the reason that Corey got punched in the face in the first place was for his mishandling of Lauren and the way he was treating Lauren. The two of them ended up leaving together anyways to go back to Corey's apartment. That whole timeline is incredibly bizarre to me as to why those series of events would happen the way that they did. But after Corey got punched in the face, like I said, Lauren and him started walking back to the five North townhomes that Corey lived in. And if you remember from what I mentioned earlier, Jay also lived in that same apartment complex. And Jay was the one who had the initial pregame party that Lauren went to and where Corey and Lauren initially left together. So now it is 2.48 in the morning and Corey and Lauren are walking to Corey's apartment through alleyways and back streets to get back to his complex. So they're walking through like dark 
alleys together and witnesses said that Lauren was so intoxicated that she actually ended up falling twice in the alley that they were in and one time when she fell she actually hit her head and once Lauren was reported missing and police went back into that alleyway to search for any potential evidence they ended up finding Lauren's ID and her keys in this alleyway so Lauren is losing things left and right here so she is so intoxicated that Corey ends up carrying her over his shoulder all the way back to his apartment. Clearly, Lauren is in no way, shape, or form like in the right mind state to make any decisions for herself to really do anything other than sleep, in my opinion. If you're clearly this intoxicated, I don't know what I think I do know, but I don't know why you wouldn't just, you know, if you were a good guy, if you were Corey, if you were a good guy, put Lauren back into her room and that is it. Like, good night, good bed. Put the boyfriend thing aside because I think that just goes out the window at this point. Like, just put her to bed and that is it. Good night. She's too intoxicated for absolutely anything at this point. So when Corey ends up getting back to his apartment with Lauren, Corey's roommate says that Corey just passed out on his bed. Like, he just got back to his apartment and he passed out. And Lauren was left in his apartment and the roommate didn't really know what to do with her at that point. So he ended up walking Lauren to Jay's apartment and was kind of like, here, like, deal with this. Like, you can take her. Like, I don't really know what to do with her. Corey brought her home. Can you just kind of take care of it? And Jay said, sure. So Lauren goes into Jay's apartment and Jay tells her, like, look, Lauren, like, just sleep on my couch tonight. You can wake up in the morning, go home. But tonight you should really just stay here. And Lauren was not having it. All Lauren wanted to do at that point was go home. So according to Jay, Lauren wanted to go home and there was really nothing he could do to stop her is kind of the impression that he gave off. So instead of walking her home, if that was so much so what she wanted to do, Jay walked her to his door and ended up just letting her walk out the door and walk home by herself. He said that he watched her from his balcony walk all the way back to her apartment complex, which like I said, was a six minute walk, but a lot can happen in six minutes. Jay said he watched her walk all the way home and it wasn't until Lauren turned the corner onto the street that her apartment complex was on that Jay saw a shadowy figure start following Lauren. But at that point, he just went to bed, assumed that she had gotten home and went to bed too. But that was the farthest thing from the truth. And Jay actually, to this day, is the last person that we know who saw Lauren alive. So we are going to get into theories a little bit later, but there was a white pickup truck that was caught on surveillance video that was driving on the same roads that Lauren walked on on her way home that night. But the police were able to locate this man and cleared him of any involvement in Lauren's disappearance. But a lot of people are iffy on that. But like I said, we'll get into that later into the theories. The following night when Charlene and Rob were sitting down eating dinner, they got the phone call that would change their life forever. They got a phone call that their daughter Lauren was missing. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? 
Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. Once they found out that Lauren was missing, Charlene and Rob immediately got on a plane and flew out to Bloomington to start the search for their daughter. And they were not the only ones searching. There were hundreds of volunteers trying to find Lauren and trying to bring her home safely. But there also were several people who decided to not partake in these search efforts for Lauren. And those people included Corey and Jay. Surprise, surprise, surprise. So Jesse, Lauren's boyfriend, helped with the first two search parties on Saturday and Sunday, the very two search parties, but then his parents actually flew in and took him out. They flew in and took him back home. So they didn't even like come in and help search. They strictly came in to get their son and bring him home. This is something that Lauren's parents found very odd just because why wouldn't you keep searching for her? But like I said, we'll get into theories later. I do want to say though, according to Lauren's friends, they said that Jesse was an amazing boyfriend, someone that anyone would want to date just due to how great he treated Lauren in general. And they said that he would never do anything to hurt her. The police, on the other hand, were actually not so convinced, but like I said, theories will be later. Once police started to suspect foul play was involved, Jay, Jesse, and Corey were all named by police as persons of interest in this case. So let's talk about Corey for a second. So Corey claimed the next day that he had no recollection of what happened the night prior. He said he doesn't remember coming home with Lauren or about what happened to her due to the combination of him being intoxicated as well as him getting punched in the face. He said the punch in the face actually caused him to have amnesia. Yeah, so Corey has amnesia now and he can't remember anything that happened the night before, which is obviously extremely frustrating to investigators and to Lauren's parents because they just want to know what happened. They have said so many times, like, they can live with whatever happened, but it's the unknown that has just left them in the dark and has just been so excruciating for them. Hundreds of people, like I said, joined the massive search for Lauren. They searched everywhere from forests to the landfill, but all of their efforts to find Lauren turned up unsuccessful. So to this day, here we are years later and investigators are no closer to figuring out what happened to Lauren than they were when she first went missing. But there are multiple theories that we can run through. But I want to talk to you guys about some of the theories now because that is all the information. So now let's move on to what could have possibly happened. So 
let's talk about the first theory, theory number one. And the first theory is kind of, there's kind of two parts to this. So the first part of this is something that a lot of people are believing to be true. It's kind of the most popular theory in this case. And that is that the men that Lauren were with the night she disappeared were responsible for this. So that's like kind of the general overview. But now let's break it down. So this theory basically goes with the story that Lauren disappeared, but it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't something that was like planned, but instead Lauren died from an overdose. So Lauren was clearly extremely intoxicated this night. She fell down at least twice. She hit her head once. She left her phone and shoes in a bar. She left her ID and keys in an alleyway. Like clearly she was not in her right mind. And a lot of people believe that Lauren's overdose was due to the combination of whatever she was taking that night, like a mix of drugs and alcohol. Like I said, this girl is 90 pounds. She, her body cannot handle all of that. So the theory is that she overdosed this night and the guys that she were with freaked out. They didn't want to get caught with drugs. They didn't want to get in trouble or anything like that. So they ended up disposing her body in the Ohio River. And here's what I think about this theory. So I do 100% believe that there is way more to this story than Corey and Jason want to lead on. And I don't believe, let's just point this out. I do not believe that Corey has amnesia. I don't believe that whatsoever. I do think that, you know, it's possible that something could have happened. This got really out of hand and they didn't know what to do. I also think it's possible that maybe Lauren had sex with these men. I don't, obviously it wasn't consensual because Lauren could have never consented with that state of mind. But if something did happen like that, if there was a rape and then Lauren ended up overdosing and the men knew that their DNA was on them and it looked really bad and Lauren then ended up overdosing and these men knew that their DNA or Corey's DNA or Jay's DNA, whoever it was, was on Lauren, it looked really bad and it looked really bad because it is really bad. They raped her. So they thought that the best way to get out free of this would be to dispose of her body into the Ohio River. Again, this could have been something where one of the guys did it and another one helped, or maybe it was just Corey, or maybe it was just Jay. We really don't know. So this is the second part of the theory that gets kind of tied into the first part that I just talked about. So there was a man who was a former student at the Indiana University. He was also an athlete and his name is Corey Hammersley, who ended up going to prison for open firing at police, and he got a 24-year prison sentence. So according to an inmate who knew Corey, which we're going to call him Corey H because it's very confusing. So this is Corey H, the man in prison. And another inmate who knew Corey H, um, he said that one night he was playing cards with Corey H, and a picture of Lauren came up on the TV that was playing in the room that they were at. Corey H. looked at the TV and said, I knew the guys that did that. Corey H. continued to tell this inmate about how Lauren died at a house party with a group of other students that were drinking and doing ecstasy. He said that Lauren OD'd and it scared all of the guys there and they didn't know what to do, so they threw her body into the Ohio River and disposed of her. So this theory made a lot more sense to police when the investigators learned that Lauren actually had a heart condition that could have came into play on the night that she went missing. So maybe it was her first time doing ecstasy, who knows? And I say 
that because maybe she just didn't know if she could handle it or if her body could handle it. So Corey H said that he actually, once this all came out, he said that he does not want to be associated with this case and he's done talking about it. So that is kind of the first big theory in this. And let's go back to the white truck for a second that I mentioned earlier that was driving the streets when Lauren was walking home because a lot of people aren't certain that this theory should be thrown out the window just yet. So when police saw this white pickup truck in the surveillance video footage, they traced the plates back to a man, an ex-convict actually. So they traced it back to an ex-convict named James McClish. So James was just released from prison for assaulting his ex-wife at the time and he was actually living in a halfway house about 10 miles from where Lauren disappeared. When the search for Lauren began, a woman who was from James's past reached out to authorities telling them that they needed to check him out because he was there that night and made comments to this woman like, you know what happened to Lauren, the same thing could happen to you. So basically threatening this woman about Lauren and her disappearance. And this woman said that James murdered Lauren and buried her on a farm in Southern Indiana. So James then took a lie detector test and was asked questions about Lauren and her disappearance, but reported to be telling the truth that he was not involved and had nothing to do with it. So since then, he's kind of been ruled out as a person of interest and hasn't like police just really don't think about it anymore it's kind of cleared him of any possible involvement and I'm kind of in the middle on this theory but I'm leaning more towards that I don't really believe this one not because of the lie detector test we all know the lie detector tests are not very accurate in the slightest um, but I don't know if investigators ever went and looked into the southern Indiana farm that the woman said that James buried Lauren at that would be like a big thing that I feel like they should have done um, but he has never really been seriously looked at since this point. So the last theory that I want to talk about is the theory that revolves around her boyfriend, Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse Wolf. So Jesse was friends with Jay, right? And a lot of people had a hard time believing that a boyfriend would be so okay with his girlfriend going out and having a wild night with drugs and things like that with these guy friends and leaving bars with guys and going back to their apartments and going back to her apartment. Like the whole thing was crazy. So a lot of people had a hard time believing that Jesse would have been okay with something like this. Jesse's roommate was able to back up an alibi for him saying that he was at the apartment and was sleeping at about 2.30 in the morning, but Lauren didn't go missing until about 4.30, 4.40 in the morning. So where was Jesse during that time period? It was also reported that when Jesse texted Lauren at about 2.30 telling her he was going to bed, the bartender at the bar at Kilroy's where Lauren had left her phone actually texted Jesse back off of Lauren's phone saying that Lauren had left her phone at the bar. So maybe Jesse went to the bar to get her phone for her and realized she wasn't there, or maybe he was told that Lauren left with another guy. Maybe Jesse went as far as to drive around and see if he could find Lauren and saw her with Corey or saw her with Jay or saw her with someone else and it made him really mad, you know? Who knows? I mean, we really don't know. Like, maybe he did go see something that made him really upset and he ended up snapping. We don't know. But I will say, I do think it's odd that he left after two 
days of searching because here's the thing i know if my boyfriend went missing i would be looking day and night every day every night until i found him like there's no stopping me from finding my boyfriend if he goes missing so the fact that his parents came in and took him away two days after is very odd to me especially because they've been together for so long like this is her high school boyfriend and she goes missing and two days later like he books it like it's just very odd and I think because of the fact that you know Corey is involved in this like the Corey that she was out with that night it kind of makes people overlook Jesse but I don't know this Jesse thing really just doesn't sit right with me and so I'm not totally I'm not totally sure what I believe. I do believe that Corey and Jay know way more than they are letting on, but I also am not 100% certain that I believe that Jesse had nothing to do with it. You know, I think that his parents coming in and taking him away could have definitely been just a defense mechanism. Like his parents wanted to protect their son, so they just decided to get him out as soon as possible. But all three of them lawyered up like immediately, which made it extremely hard for them or extremely hard for Lauren parents and for investigators to really talk to them and see what happened that night. From what I could tell, it was definitely obvious that police are more so going with the first two theories that I talked about. And the reason because of that is because it's simple. Literally, that's what they said. They said a lot of times investigators and detectives try to complicate things and complicate theories, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's just as simple as it can be. The simplest theory here is that she died at a party and somebody got rid of her, especially if all the guys involved were intoxicated. Like, you would think, like, if all of them were drinking, like, if all of them were doing drugs and drinking and, like, going out and having a wild night, they probably weren't in their smartest mindset to, like, get rid of a body. So they probably weren't doing something super intricate. They probably just thought of the easiest way to get rid of a body and that's what they did which is why disposing her into the Ohio River kind of makes sense here. It's just a matter of who did it. Like, who did it? And, who, like, what was the timeline? Was Jesse involved? Was Jesse not involved? Jesse was friends with Jay. So maybe Jay told Jesse, like, this. that's a big secret to keep from your friend. Like, your girlfriend died and I'm not going to tell you. Like, it's just very odd to me. The whole thing is odd to me. I don't know what I believe. And then when I was doing kind of my own thoughts and sitting here and thinking about what could have possibly happened and when I was thinking about Corey, you know, Corey and Lauren didn't know each other very well. They literally like just met, like the two of them just met and it's kind of odd to me. There's several things that are odd to me here. It's odd to me how if Lauren and Jesse had this amazing, amazing relationship, Jesse treated Lauren so well. And if from what her friends say, like if that's all true, why is Lauren going out and so openly okay in front of Jay, who's friends with Jesse as well, like going off with these guys and leaving bars with them and going back to their apartment? Like why is she so openly doing that if their relationship was so perfect and was so great and you know she was so happy like you would think you know people really only do that when there is more to the story and we always see in cases here that there is always a lot more underneath the surface than what it seems to be so maybe the relationship with jesse and lauren wasn't great maybe it just seemed good on the outside and it wasn't that great on the inside you know they'd been together since high school but now they're in college with forty-eight thousand people in the park party scene and the drug scene and maybe Jesse didn't like that she was involved in that sort of lifestyle because clearly if he's not going out to his friend's party like something's off I just don't 
that whole story just doesn't sit right with me. And then when I thought about Corey, you know, maybe he slipped a roofie in her drink and maybe in the midst of the ecstasy and if he slipped a roofie in her drink and her heart condition, she just couldn't take it and her body shut down. I think that there are total, like there's a million theories here that could totally be you know, dug into. And I'm really curious to know what you guys have to say about this and what you guys think. So definitely let me know your theories. You can DM me at Savannah Brimer on my Instagram or my Twitter, or you can email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. And that is where you can also send in your case recommendations. I would love to hear them as well as I would love to hear your theories. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. I really appreciate it. Like I said in the beginning, make sure you go ahead and hit that follow button that way you never miss an episode and with that being said you guys that is all from me this week i hope you have a great rest of your weekend i will see you next week you guys stay safe